Let's get Craig in here. Yeah. Let's let's pop that man in. You, you ever just you ever just popped a man in? I've gone once or twice around that side of the barn. <laughs> <laughs> Fun part of the farm. <laughs> you ever go to the fun part of the farm? Where you can you can pop a man in. <laughs> Rory took me to the fun part of the farm one time and Yeah, the cows the cows came home. That's how we knew it was time to stop. When they talk about the cows coming home, how often how long are the cows gone for? A day. They're gone to get up in the morning and come home. It's like a work day for them. <laughs> Okay. When so the sun goes down, the cows come back. <laughs> Carrying their little cow briefcases. <laughs> Where do those cows go all day? <laughs> Long ago in a distant land. Hey there, Tuesday boys. Hey there. <laughs> what's going on? What's going on over? What's going on with everybody today? How are you? What? Talk to me, people. What's? Who's here? Who's in my house? <laughs> who's who's in my house? Well, who is in your house? Tell me. Tell me your names, boys and girls. You've been here before. I'm Rory. This is this is my fun house. My fun silly <laughs> house. Well, I'm I'm Andy. This is not yeah, my fun right. house. This is our hundred something episode. You know how to say your name. <laughs> and I'm Austin, and I'm also still kind of uh, tentatively uh, dipping a toe into this house water um, <laughs> to kind of see what, uh, what kind of house we're in and what sort of uh, experience we're about to have. Uh, well, you know, we watched everybody. We watched this week uh, two episodes of the fabulous Dungeons and Dragons mm. from from the time from the time of. Uh, Early 80s? Is it 81? 83, 85 83. in there. 83. In the dark times before 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 Turtles, when everything mm-hmm. was, was grim and strange. You guys got thoughts on that or are you just going to leave me hanging? Oh, I, I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop on this theme you said you had in the, in the tech. I prefaced it that it's a very high concept. So you're going to have to roll with, the, <laughs> roll with the flow on this one, baby boy. Talk to me about how, you're in the house right now. Yeah, no, no I'm, abs- you- I'm absolutely in the house. Uh, it's unclear whether or not I was invited in or whether I broke in. Don't I'm poke, not exactly don't, sure. Don't poke at the, like, you know, don't poke oh, okay. at the sides. I can't, of the, I can't, I, I can't touch the theme. All right. No. Uh, I feel really good about the fact that we watched Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we spent one week on it before, and it was fun, but I feel like we actually got a better crop of episodes this time, and I got deeper into something that I enjoyed. What? Did you guys uh, hear that? Did anybody hear that noise? Is somebody what? at the door? What's it sounds like that? somebody's at the door. There's somebody in our house. <laughs> okay. Well, well, you better go get it. I guess I go answer the door. Oh, who who is who is here? Who, who is here? Who's in this house? Who's even here in this house, Andy? To describe for me the blind this blind old bat in my house. Describe for me the gentleman and uh let him speak. <laughs> oh, the gentleman at the door. Rory, I, are we playing a game of like party quirks from whose line? We're doing whose line is it anyway? 
but except I'm in a house and I'm and except we're in my house and I'm in and I just make everybody play whose line is it anyway until we die. <laughs> <laughs> until, until, until the improv, until the you know the improv uh, police uh, send you home. Hello. Till Drew Carey gets here. Till oh. Drew is, Carey comes with his. Is with anyone his, uh, listening to me? I'm I'm here at the door. I'm trying to come into Rory's house. Oh, that sounds like a fun character, everybody. <laughs> I'm playing along. Uh, yeah, here I am. I, I brought oh, you. A tr- I baked my own Melba toast, and I've brought you some. Oh, he's bringing funny, <laughs> silly treats into the house. What a what a treat for everybody here. What's my name, Austin? Name me. <laughs> oh, of course, that's uh, Jambins. Jembenston. That's old man. Old man Jembenston from next door. And I baked you Melba toast. This seems out of completely out of control. We've completely lost track of the bit. And what now is you're the, all. What is wow, the bit, you, please? You, you don't like what I do, Rory. You never, <laughs> you never appreciate my. I bits. feel like I said explicitly. <laughs> we're in my fun, silly house. I'm blind, and funny people are gonna come to the door. That was supposed to be the theme. That was supposed to be it. You guys had to fucking yes and it all the way to the moon. <laughs> and now it's ruined. Now nobody gets to play. <laughs> Is anyone gonna eat my Melba toast? <laughs> uh, the real now it's real now 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 it has escaped the bit and it's there's just toast loose. Austin, play along. Who? Tell uh, Austin, come take us back. Take us back in. Um, you know what? A great way to take us back in is to uh dive dive right in to the no to <laughs> Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. We, can we can we dive right in? Should we talk D&D? about should we Dungeons we, and Dragons? Should all we right, sit down gonna, at the table? Should we sit down at the big table where there's all of us uh, around the table playing Dungeons and Dragons? I mean, we could. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want to say before we dive right in. We there's two very important pieces of information. <laughs> One, we didn't say the name of our show, so it's Saturday Morning Tuesdays. But I'm two, pretty sure it got said. I'm pretty confident mm, it got said. The tape will prove me wrong or right. But two. This is a, this is this is another one of our patron voted episodes. I just wanted to say that. That's right. Patrons voted to make us do this. Somebody paid top dollars, big money <laughs> to uh, to you know decide for us to uh, vote in a poll, make poor choices on your behalf. Uh, I don't think it was a poor choice. I think no. a poor choice. A poor choice was was the character that I spontaneously created earlier. Yeah, talk about a talk about new <laughs> choice. New choice, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> We can't keep playing Who's Line until we die. <laughs> I think Drew's here. I think he's... <laughs> and, no. <laughs> no. Go home, hey, Drew. It's Drew Carey. Hey, I'm here. It's Drew Carey. Cleveland rocks. Come on, let me in. We're going to... Oh, Cleveland does rock. <laughs> Laura Hall on the piano. Let's do a hoedown. Oh, wow. Oh. You got all... You got... You really... You're really blowing through our bits. That's supposed to last us an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, cool. Well, I bet we all loved when Wayne Brady did that thing, and the whole episode is done, the credits are rolling, and I think it's time for us to dive right in. Hey, look! A Dungeons and Dragons ride! Wow! Neat! Give me a break. This is, the, this is our second foray into Dungeons and Dragons, so I feel like everybody's got a pretty clear idea of what was going on the year and a half from a year and a half ago, right? We're all, or do we need to we need to warm everybody up with who's who's the paladin? Yeah, whose paladin is it anyway? 
<laughs> oh, oh boy. Oh, I boy. like that a lot. That's good comedy. We, now that's we, comedy. I want to be clear. This is the very loosey goosey recording. Are we in the show now? Did the segment start, or are we still oh, in like, the meta space? The theme never stopped. <laughs> All right. Well, this you're is all, the show. I told you you can't. Don't investigate the edges. It just gets it just gets <laughs> bigger and sillier the further out you try and swim. You know what? I think I understand what's happening, Austin. Rory's yeah. theme. Rory's theme. He's he tried to do a theme that was as about about as explicit as any of the dungeon master's instructions ever are. Like some sort of mm. wicked nefarious genie who has it out for for little kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never really quite understood why he kidnapped them. It felt a little <laughs> it felt a little bit like they were just kids and not yeah. like destined heroes. No, they're just kids. Uh we we watched two episodes today as we have always been doing since we changed our format a long time ago. I don't know why I said that, but here's the deal. The first episode that we watched is the sixth episode, and as always, we picked it because of the title. It was called Beauty and the Bog Beast. Mm-hmm. Oh, this delightful bog beast. This sweet silly boy. Sweet bogs. This is the blurb. Uh, Eric is turned into a comical but ugly bog beast when he sniffs a forbidden flower. Now he must help the others of this cowardly race defeat an evil ogre who is damming the river that rains upside down. These damn rivers. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are, what are you guys' thoughts? What are, what are your thoughts on this one, top level? How'd you feel? I loved it. In terms of the D&D episode, this is certainly my favorite by a, by a long shot. I'm going to give you that, too. I really liked this one. And I liked both of them today. But this was for sure the best one. And I'm not even I'm not even positive why, because I can't. Well, I'll say I'll say I think there are two to me. There are two clear kind of pillars. Uh, One was like all of these kinds of cartoons are going to be constantly throwing out crappy one liners. And at least this kind of provided a lightning rod for them to kind of either be directed to or directed from. It's not just everybody quipping into their own. Into the, mm. into the void. It's not just everybody constantly rehearsing their type five. So <laughs> in that regard, I thought it worked pretty well to have this bog beast uh, as a nexus point. Yeah. Also, did anybody notice the writer of this episode was Jeffrey mm-hmm. Scott, who just wrote our Hulk episodes that we just oh, watched last he? week. Um, uh-uh. So uh, Jeffrey Scott, apparently uh, we're, we're doing We're two for two on Jeffrey Scott. And uh, I, apparently he's got the juice that we're looking for. He's got some juice. Uh, Rory, did you say you had two things? What was the yeah, other thing? Yeah, I thought that this one did a great job being really untethered to a logic cartoon or otherwise, which, you know, might not work for everything. But when a show is already so nonsensical and so kind of you're already suspending so much disbelief to buy into it, I kind mm-hmm. of enjoyed not being constantly reminded that it's illogical by just throwing caution to the wind and being goofy. Uh, we meet a bog beast randomly. Our guy gets turned into a bog beast. Then yeah. randomly, all the spells to uh, to fix him don't work. Then randomly, he's the king of the other bog beast. Then randomly, there's a giant with a dwarf army. None of it makes any sense. It's not no. explained. There's no, there's no system or logic to it. And if you know anything about me and my fantasy, I don't want systems anywhere in there. <laughs> it's it's bad storytelling, but good cartoon. Oh, even good storytelling is good fantasy. Systems make systems make fantasy bad. Well, and no system not, makes fantasy good. It's not systems <laughs> as much as I just see sort of things that are introduced that sort of feel like they come back around and are established 
you know, feel sure. like they mean something. This but is a very at, different. If you look at this other episode, it's constantly trying to make sense of the bullshit they've just presented you as if it makes. Like right. they, they have to constantly right. justify bullshit that didn't make sense to begin with. And you're right. just this whole thing is unspooling in front of you. It's just it's just a thread being yanked out of a fun little vest. The, yeah. Until it's until it's like a little Abu, little Abu vest by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, like we established, it was just a series of things happening. But at every moment, it just kind of was fun. It, was, it felt like Dungeons and Dragons. You know, Absolutely. I mean, it felt like an actual journey instead of some of the other episodes we've seen. Like watching a weird Nazi World War II pilot, like get a redemption arc <laughs> and uh, and go back to his time to go, you know, be continue to be a Nazi. Um, yeah. You know, like that was a weird. What? How weird was that? Right. That was a weird one. If you haven't actually listened to our D&D episode from last a summer. A while ago. Yeah. Wenger's like kidnapping real life people from history. Right. He's got like a Viking and a Nazi and uh, yeah. it's yeah. super weird. <laughs> It's very weird. strange. We also uh, we had a second Venger episode last time, too. And this time, two episodes, zero Venger. And yeah. both times also um, featured a portal home. I'm told that happens quite regularly, right? That like they can they consistently have an option to get home and either fuck it up or choose to stay. Right. Uh, which kind of makes sense because they were just there's clearly no in, no great power keeping them here. They're just <laughs> in a different place now for a bit. Yeah, they're just in in Jigsaw Dungeon Master's torture dimension <laughs> doing whatever he wants them to do, I guess. I mean, he's really he really fucks them up a lot. Like yeah. he shows up and he they're like, "How do we get Like first of all, it, it, this is the thing that appear that appears to uh repeat every episode is Dungeon Master shows up with some sort of horrible quest and they're like I don't know. Why should I care? I mean, I guess we can go. And then he's like, at the end, you'll find a way home. And they're like, okay, we'll buy in again. We will We will get our hopes up one more time. How do we do this? And then he gives them a very unhelpful riddle. And then when they ask him a follow-up question, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's annoying when his unhelpfulness is clearly kind of bumping up against the role he plays with them. He's like, he's not some strange trickster god. He's supposed to be on their team. Right. right. It never makes sense to me that he's always so cryptic and unhelpful. Yeah, and the kids <laughs> always still seem to love him for some I reason. Know. Like, hey, he's our he's our pal, he's our friend. Like, I suck. Has has anybody <laughs> happened to, to see or read uh Jonathan Strange or Mr. Norell? No. I have not. There's this weird kind of uh the fairy king has this curse he puts on people uh as like part of the other spells he does where you can't really directly ask for help or speak to plainly about uh, what the fuck's going on. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, if you've got this, it kind of puts a nice ribbon on, now I don't have to constantly be dancing around the fact that my characters aren't behaving the, you know, the way they should. Sure. Dungeon Master should be incredibly helpful. And if he had some weird Venger curse that prevented him from doing that, that would be consistently more interesting and more believable. Well, I imagine that there is kind of a, like when you're writing something, that there is sort of like this constant like paradox between like people acting optimally is not that interesting, but people acting suboptimally sometimes is really tough to justify. Oh, 100%. Uh, and that's why, like I said, I found that curse to be a constantly useful 
barrier and right a lot of people to behave when they when they behaved erratically it was part of the story rather than nonsense <laughs> yeah maybe you might say that there was some sort of magic system at play in that no there's no magic story. it's it, you there's no system <laughs> fairy magic is chaotic and nonsense <laughs> the way magic is supposed to be get your harry potter bo- get your harry potter baloney out of my house out of my fun silly house with drew okay. me and drew me and Drew have got no time for your Harry Potter nonsense. All right, look, look. So let's just wipe the slate clean here. Um, the episode is about a the dungeon master shows up and he promises a way home through this sort of magical river. That rains upside down? The river that rains upside down. Um, and then once they get in it or on it, it's going to be like a Wonka Vader. Then it'll take them kind of wherever <laughs> they want to go. Then go up or down or, uh, I guess, we're home. Yeah. Um, and I know it's only six episodes in, but it certainly begs the question, why didn't he immediately suggest this river if he knew about it, like in episode well, one? Well, because, Andy, I'm glad you asked, because <laughs> apparently it only rains upside down like once every like hundred years or every certain time cool 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 something that happened a lot in these two episodes we watched were prophecies like thousand year old prophecies (laughs) that decided to happen just kind of right now that are highly specific just when these shitty amusement park kids show up (laughs) these these like bizarre like thousand year old prophecies that are for like a really small minor event of no consequence (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm pretty into it, though. Yeah. Yeah. So the 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 main the main interesting thing in this episode that is the it's the the fodder for a lot of the comedy is that uh, what what the dungeon master specifically says is beware. You must never touch the beauty that breathes the beast. And it turns out he's being a horrible genie about it and just describing a flower that Eric like breathes in and Eric turns into a bog beast and. Pretty immediately, his supposed friends start just laughing at how ugly he is. (laughs) And it's quite upsetting. What are you guys staring at? (laughs) It's not possible. I'm disgusting. (laughs) What am I going to do? This isn't funny. Sure it is. I mean, you're right. It's not funny. It's disgusting. In terms of he is he's ugly, and I guess in a in some way he's not so ugly that they should be pitying him rather than laughing. But I I guess I didn't really feel like it. He looks like pretty much just like a frog, but like a boy. Yeah. Something I'll give to the show is that they are I guess friends in a loose sense of the term, but these were kids who were not necessarily kids who got along that, with each other that has at the kind start of played consistently that their their link between one another is tenuous for a lot of them right yeah. and so uh you have a character like eric who is consistently uh a difficult person <laughs> and i kind of enjoy that eric is just a difficult person and not it's not like he's the rich snobby one who's just like well my father has a driver or something it's (laughs) like whatever that character was in james bond jr yeah exactly like he's just difficult and i like (laughs) i kind of like that as just a whole character like it sucks sometimes and they avoid so like remember in digimon joe is kind of like that except he's 
very smart and wise. And so it kind of, he often kind of gets his, gets his druthers. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. But Eric is just, man, he's just difficult. He's not better <laughs> or smarter or more capable no. than anybody. And he's no. not that great in a fight most of the time because his magical item is a shield. And he spends a lot of time just hiding behind it, grumbling. It was also really funny. Was So uh, what's the, what's the other boy's name with the hat? Presto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Presto keeps trying out different spells to save uh, uh, Eric. And for one, it's part, It's a little unclear if these are pranks or if he's genuinely trying. Uh, <laughs> but you get the impression he's trying. Uh, but even so, after about three tries, Eric just uses his shield laser to just shoot the hat out of his hands. Like, now, <laughs> these have consistently gone quite poorly for me, and I'm done with this. <laughs> well, my I guess my favorite thing about Eric is... He is difficult. We've said the word difficult because it's perfect. It really is. But he is, he's that, he's like that kid that you know from school. He's, I mean, he's like the story topper kind of guy because immediately upon finding this flower, Diana's looking at it and she's like, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. And his first thing, he walks up and he's like, you think this is a beauty? You should see my mom's garden back home. This is nothing. That was so <laughs> funny. His weird mommy thing. You should see my mommy's yeah. garden. My mommy grows flowers way bit prettier than this. Uh, <laughs> I just think it's so funny. Like he's, he, he so wants to jump in and like poo poo the thing that she thinks is cool not even realizing how stupid his mommy thing makes him sound which too. is funny because the yeah. one thing these kids can agree on like interpersonally is that diana rocks they're all a huge fan yeah. dude yeah. and she does though <laughs> yeah our other episodes last time we felt like diana got kind of the short end of the stick and mm-hmm. we thankfully got some good diana content in these episodes yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. So they've they've split up. It doesn't really they split the party. Classic D&D move. Yes, split the they party. split the party uh, to take two paths down a, a branching road. And one party, like we said, ran into a river and one of them got turned into a bog beast. And the other finds their way to, I guess, like a desert by way of stone giant. Yeah, there's a big stone giant, like a sort of meaningless action set piece. That's the only part that like I didn't really enjoy about the episode. I actually I liked the fight with the giant. I kind of enjoyed the way that they went around it. The giant is huge and invulnerable. And the way they stop him is Hank uses his laser magic arrows to fuse his feet together and they kind of trip him up and he collapses. So they they all I don't know. They all end up back in the same place and everything sort of coalesces when they are uh, they find themselves in a village of bog beasts. And these are all these really scared frogmen. And they all sound like Cookie Monster, unless I'm crazy. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Grover, (laughs) Cookie Monster. Yeah. It's a feels like a Frank Oz character from Sesame Street. You evil cow amongst and you to scare fish away. He bad. He dam up river. Make fish go away. Make bug beast family go hungry. And here's where a pretty fun twist gets introduced. There's like, so it, uh, Eric isn't just a bog beast. He's like inhabited by the spirit of the king of the bog beasts. <laughs> and it starts, it starts like influencing him. Yeah, because so Dungeon Master had come back at some point and was like, oh, you're trapped as a bug beast. I warned you, did I not? Hee <laughs> hee. And then like. No, you didn't. You, will... you told me a riddle, you old fuck. Yeah, it, it didn't make any sense. And then um, he says that the way that he can get transformed back is by that which he hates the most. So cool. they, they guess that, OK, well, I guess the thing I hate the most is being a bog beast. So 
I guess I need to go find more bog beasts. I did and really like that. <laughs> that's going to cure me. So they go running off after bog beasts and then they sort of, yeah, they meet up with the other group in an underground subterranean village of bog bog beasts. Yeah. And we and we meet them. So they show up just in time, like the perfect sort of narrative timing where all these Kirkland brand cookie monsters are uh, <laughs> are telling them about this ancient prophecy and this evil ogre. So there's an ogre that has dammed up the river that rains upside down, which is where they find out they are. They're like, oh, sick. This is the river. But there's this evil ogre whose name is Calamung. Is that Calum, right? Calamun? Calamung? It's, and yeah, I thought I'm, it was Calamung, like with an L, but I also wrote Calamung. It's really impossible to tell. But there's an evil ogre. He's dammed up the river, and like they live in fear of him. But there's a prophecy that says that their leader, their leader of the Thousands of years beasts, old. Yes. <laughs> is going to show up from above. He'll fall from above, and he'll be like them, but not like them, or something along those lines. And on cue, Eric falls through the ceiling. And uh, and of course, we've set this up and now he's like the leader of, the, of these horrible bog beasts, uh, which which is a bit narratively convenient, I will say. But it it is funny, like it follows the same sort of logic that we've had so far of things just sort of fucking whatever. <laughs> this is what's happening. And I do appreciate it. Yeah, I just think about like, what is their prophecy system like? Do they <laughs> is it like do they have is this the one prophecy that they've guarded safely for their entire existence or is it like a more like a nice and accurate prophecies from yeah. good omens? That's just like a thousand different little micro prophecies <laughs> that they're sort of keeping track of. Regardless, it's so weird to think like, yeah, there's going to be I don't know, there's going to be a guy at the river who's not great. And then someone else is going to be there. You know, you'll know it when you see it. This is it, man. <laughs> it's it is fun. And from there, immediately, we do start prepping to go fight this ogre. And so there is a nice, like, movement in the episodes, a clarity of purpose. Okay, now we got to go fight this ogre. Don't forget, he's got a magic medallion that's the source of his power. I think Uh, that's a good point, too, though. The the, the medallion's silly. But, like, having an actual goal inside the episode, because normally their goal is, like, get home or, I don't know, something a little bit nebulous, something a little bit tee-hee from the dungeon master. Something a little twee, but uh, in this one, in this one, uh, they know what they want. They just don't know how to do it, which is the opposite of normally. Normally, he gives them instructions on exactly what to do with no, no clarity about why. Yeah. And it really helps it from being bogged down in plot nonsense. Uh, bogged? Oh. oh, bogged down, not on like a bog beast. Not like Eric the Bog Beast. <laughs> oh, young Eric. Who's that at the uh, door? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, this oh, funny house oh, no. is silly forever. What a good house. <laughs> what happens after that is Who all is here big... right now, Austin? Oh, Who all is in my house? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just, Austin. Um, it's just all, all of us trying to trying to talk about <laughs> this episode. And by all of um, us, do you mean Rory, Andy, Austin? Drew Carey and that old guy <laughs> with Carey. the Melba toast and the, the bog beast that just walked and, in and the bog beast that came in. Yeah. Um, oh, and who what else just is... showed up, Austin? Who just walked in the door? Oh no, you left that door open for just any old stranger we to wander never in. Close the door. Who's walking in? Oh, Austin? this improv game oh, is shoot. so silly. Oh shoot! It's it's uh, uh, America's favorite uh, actor, Patrick Warburton. 
Yeah, I, I know I can do an impression of Patrick Warburton, but just to spite you, I'm not even going to do it. Don't team me up like that. You can't just coach me up. You can't just, I got to earn it. Don't put it on a tee like I'm some child. So yeah, he he's here, but he's got like some sort of horrible device. He's got he, he's he, got he, throat he, hornets. <laughs> yeah, he's full of throat hornets, and he can't talk. Let's talk about this ogre Calamong and his dwarven slaves, <laughs> Less. because that yeah. doesn't come to roost at all. No, it's, dwar- it's all just no. it's all just fantasy dressing, and I was kind of there for it. Like I said, it wasn't. It was never promised as some hanging plot point. Like, when you meet the dwarves, you'll know that. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so you didn't need, you didn't really need some deep-seated, like, they didn't need to pay anything off. No. Yeah, because every moment of this is exposition. So if you just keep getting exposition, <laughs> it's just, you never have to pay off anything. That's right. true. Yeah, they, they eventually, I don't know, they defeat him, they get his necklace off. And he becomes a little bog beast. It wasn't he wasn't a, a big evil giant. He just he was just another bog beast he who was got a, na- a little yin yang necklace. It's a nice it's a nice parallel in a way because Eric, the difficult one of the human party, got turned into a bog beast. And clearly, this evil ogre was a really difficult bog beast to begin with. He's just a bog beast that turned shitty and wanted to kill everybody. How did he turn yeah. into an ogre? This medallion? Where did the medallion come from? We don't care. I'll agree with you, no. Rory, on this one occasion about your fantasy appraisal, which is that I, which is that I, I truly don't care about this medallion. And if they tried to explain that it anymore. That feels like a qualified agreement. It oh, is. Patrick Warburton and Drew Carey are both nodding in approval. <laughs> yeah, but the old man's just eating Melba toast. He is still doing that. So uh, the the biggest issue with that is they think, OK, great. Put on the necklace. You should be OK. You should turn back. He doesn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eric. Eric's still a bog beast, but they don't have time because the the river is flowing. It is raining upside down. They say rains this whole episode. And I don't know if maybe it was rain in the script, but then whoever animated it didn't or it was uh, because it's just a waterfall flowing. It runs upside down. It doesn't it's not raining upside down. (laughs) It felt like the one weird thing they felt like they did have to pay off like. Oh, if we don't make the rain go upside down, we've let the children down. <laughs> but it's not rain. It's just a waterfall flowing. I know. I, <laughs> I got to tell you, you your, your order of events is a little off because first they go home. They yeah, legit dummy. go home. Well, that's what I'm saying is they, they no, but go they don't, on they, the... But you, you said they, they put the necklace on him first. They don't put the necklace on him until they're home, and that's key. Oh, do they because, try putting the necklace on after that? Okay. Because they go home, and they end up in that amusement park, and they're like, oh, snap. And then they try and put the necklace on Eric, and he doesn't turn back. And he's like, I can't stay in my own world looking like a bog beast. And then they're like, well, maybe it'll work if you're in the other world. So maybe if you go back. It's a fun sort of like, would you rather, right? Yeah. (laughs) Live in a hellscape as a cutie. (laughs) Yeah. Or live in reality as a bog beast. (laughs) (laughs) And... And it is interesting. I know the time crunch is real. He had like 15 seconds or something to decide. But he does immediately swim back and go to the other world. 
uh, which is an interesting choice to make. I mean, I, I probably would do the same thing because, you know, what's life if everyone's going to just be scared of you and think you're a bog beast and not believe you're who you are? Well, and they haven't been gone that long. Like, n- none of the kids have, like, started to pubes or anything. So, like, <laughs> they're not that desperate to get back is what I'm trying to get That's at. the worst possible way to say that. <laughs> Mom, I'm pubescing. I'm pubescing now. Well, like, okay, if, I'm just so, saying, if your voice has started to change, why, if you if you were in the D&D world and, like, you started to get facial hair, you might just be like, whatever, Bog Beast is fine. I'm never going back there. They haven't been gone that long is what I'm trying to get at. They, yeah, you I can know. roll the dice on that one. And they get so many chances to come back. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, though, about this whole scenario. We're, I, I guess we're supposed to feel charmed by the fact that his other... Uh, companions, 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 <laughs> companions, companions. Where are you? His companions um, uh, choose to not abandon him. So he's gone back alone. They're like, well, we can't leave him alone. We have to. I guess we have to go back <laughs> for Eric, the difficult one for the awful child. Uh, imagine finally. I, I know that it's probably like no time passes when they eventually get home in the unproduced uh, final episode of this show or whatever. Like, oh, we're back immediately where we no were. No time, time passes. Pass. In but in, like in either world, right? But but what I what I'm saying is, imagine if time had passed and you and they don't know that it's not passing, right? Like the, for all they know, their parents are worried sick about them. Imagine time passes, you finally come home, and your parents are like, "What happened to you?" And you tell them the whole story, and then you include this part where they're like, "And then we got home, but our friend was ugly, so then we went back." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? You came home already? We've been looking for you for months. At least send the youngest one out, you know? Yes, Bobby like, needs to go home. Send Bobby home and say, hey. Bobby's got school. Hey, uh, I'm okay, but I'm also six, and I shouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know we always do sort of a sponsor here, and we always start with like a, hey, Rory, and he'd be like, hey, what? And we'd tell you about a new a new property that we want to we want to sell you or something, right? But I remember when we do that. Yeah, those were always fun. And I still really, you know, we are doing that. But we just we told all of our sponsors, hey, just give us a minute because we've got something really important we want to do with this space right now. And let's talk about our new favorite show, Council of Dads. And I, I know you're all sort of like, where's that episode two? When are we going to get it? Well, I know they, they told us we're going to have to wait about four weeks to get the next episode, which means... Thanks, Corona. To sort of pass the time, we thought we'd use this segment to talk a little bit about, you know, the buzz and sort of what's happening on the Twitter sphere about the Council of Dads and all the people who got to watch it first week. People are talking about Council of Dads, y'all, and everybody who was in the show is really jazzed to talk about it, too. Wait, you didn't say Cancel of Dads, did you? No, <laughs> I no. sure hope okay, I didn't. Who? Boy, be still my heart. I just got worried. Uh, There's nothing to worry about. It should be fine. Yeah. And I mean, I I did see Michael O'Neill tweeting a lot about it. And by seeing him tweeted a lot about it, I I mean, I scrolled down the Council of Dads hashtag. And at one point, I feel like I was scrolling for about four solid seconds before I saw a tweet that wasn't Michael O'Neill's. He must really (laughs) like this show. You guys, social media managers love this show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that, that that's the truth. Can you give me all like 10 reasons in a great list of why? <laughs> I think a powerful a powerful undercurrent in every in every compliment to Council of Dads that I've seen on the on the internet has been a real a real testament to just how much of a weeper it is about how much you're going to be just weeping those tears, weeping those face waters right out of your 
right out of your goo spots. Yeah, it's it's going to make you leak. You are going to be <laughs> dripping. What I like, too, is how organically that they started their own hashtag to do a hashtag dad joke challenge. Oh, and it's great God. when you sort of just generate your own viral Success, when, it's, so. when it's completely natural, you just throw it out there into the world and see what happens. And the and rest just of us make, just run with it. Make all of your cast members tweet on their personal accounts, like do the thing that they want you to do. That's so fun. Did you see any of those good dad jokes? I saw several uh, dad jokes uh, through this challenge, through the hashtag Council of Dads hashtag dad joke challenge. And, you know, we don't really have time to go into a lot of them. Um, I'm going to save you some time, though, and say a lot of them involved a little bit of fun reversal of words uh, oh. where you're going to say maybe uh, one word and then they say a different word or they're talking about like penguins. And then the joke punchline involves like an igloo and stuff. Mm. And so hey, that's, because they that's, invented igloos. Yeah, exactly. So so a lot of those fun, classic adult father style humor jokes. Uh, yeah. Very good. So very good. Don't miss a mm, uh, pizza pie kiss. Oh, and I saw I saw one particular reaction that I loved because I identify with this so much. Uh, at Loving History on Twitter says my, uh, they, they posted a gif of a little kid going feelings. And they said my reaction when I try to watch a video about game rating tactics and instead get a 45 minute ad for Council of Dads. It was better than any movie I've seen in the past five years. Dead A serious. I think we Dude. can all feel the same way. We yeah, all agree. 100%. Yeah, the entire rap battle scene out of Council of Dads, I thought, well, maybe you could say was doing the exact same camera work and style of Pitch Perfect was really done to significantly more emotional resonance uh, on my end. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we're going to be here forever if we talk about all the great things we love about <laughs> Council of Dads. We've already been there. Just take our word for it again. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you should watch the episode a fourth time like I just did earlier this afternoon. And uh, I think I think you get a lot more out of it uh, the fourth time. What'd you get on the fourth time, Andy? Tell us about your fourth view of Cancel of Dads. How'd well, that we could be here you? forever if we talk about all the ways that we love Cancel of Dads. <laughs> You're right. We have an episode to get back to. But, uh, you know, just just tweet on tweet on hashtag Council of Dads and maybe we'll see it and we'll talk about it on this next segment. Because you tweet know. us at hashtag Council of Dads and you'll be on our show. <laughs> a natural 20 on my mid-roll check. Guess what that means? We get to do a little mid-roll about Patreon and remind you that that's real. How am I doing right now, guys? How's, how's doing that? great. Doing great. This is a wonderful character that you're playing now in this party. I'm not I'm not really convinced you actually rolled this 20, but uh, you know, oh, I'm going to let, let it ride. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. I, I mean, I have one. Hold on. That sounds, like, can... sounds like ice cubes in a drink. <laughs> <laughs> They're not ice cubes. They're in my Is little Is it really a bowl of dice that you keep by your computer? No. Okay, I'm going to roll it, and we're going to put the microphone right down here, and I'm going to go. Well, you're not going to believe me, but I rolled a natural one. It was a one. It was a one, and I think that's... That's awful and and pretty great. Uh, but we do we do have a Patreon, and if you are at all interested in supporting us past just listening, which is already pretty dope that you do, 
then there are like three different tiers that have different benefits that you can go find us on patreon.com slash Tuesdays and explore and find out what works for you. Yeah, uh, I'm, I think it's a wonderful library we're starting to build up here. We've got some exclusive episodes you can listen to. Uh, we do a an episode about a show where women are naval historical naval battleships. Uh, that's an anime um, that's pretty incredible. Uh, you can give a listen to if you're a patron. Um, we have polls that you can vote on. Um, it's just the lowest tier. Mm, and there is a poll live right now that's still going until the end of April. So if you want to just be in the $1 tier, you can come in and decide which show from 1985 that we're going to check up next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this episode, Dungeons & Dragons, is because of patrons like you. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just, you know, no no dollar amount is too small. No. And whether or not we want to say this, whether or not we want to say this right now, I think Rory had an idea for uh, for people, you know, sort of as an incentive for for wanting to, to get people to drop some of those five-star ratings on iTunes. So we were thinking, you know, uh, unlike those, unlike all those other podcasts that just want you to leave leave a, a review on iTunes out of the goodness of your heart. Give us five stars, just like just like Tim Cook wants. Just, he just wants you up on his platform, <laughs> licking those stars. Uh, we were thinking, how's a way for, for this to be a, a two-way interaction? And so if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, you are more than welcome to um, ask us to watch a show or or any other kind of direct communique that you, you feel like would benefit your listening experience and it's a kind of accommodation that we would you know we would take seriously we want we want reviews because again tim cook's out there he's out there trying to make our lives hard and uh if <laughs> you give tim? us if if you add those five stars onto itunes and you you list whether whether that be a uh a show you want to watch you want us to watch or or something else uh it's a guarantee that we'll see it and uh truly try to uh accommodate what you write, unless that happens to be, you know, uh, hunt a man for sport. Right. Or, or look, <laughs> if you spam our reviews with just saying you want us to watch Frasier, I mean, we might have to watch <laughs> Frasier. I mean, we don't usually it's cartoons, but if it's, you know, 60 people all giving us five star reviews saying, please watch Frasier. I mean, I, Frasier, the animated series, my favorite thing that ever happened. <laughs> Here's what I want to say. If this, if you don't, if you don't feel like you have it in, in you and we, we totally get it, it's, we're in the middle of a, of a global pandemic uh times are tougher than they've been for most of our entire lives but this is a way to interact with the show for free and uh, and have your opinion heard who was that that was venger the force of evil I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Hey, everybody. Uh, we are back um, in Rory's house uh, yes. doing this scene. So we were just kind of talking about improv and our characters and having a great time. <laughs> and that's when the next knock at the door is actually... The synopsis for D&D episode 21. Hey, I'm the synopsis for <laughs> D&D 21. Read me. <laughs> Child of the Stargazer. I'm That's so glad you could be here. Um, <laughs> let me read you out loud. Kosar, the son of an astrologer from another country, escapes from the evil demon queen Sirith and involves the kids in a battle against good and evil. 
Diana must make a personal choice regarding going home, her soulmate Kosar, or saving a community. That made no sense. Yeah. I read, well, th- I read that once. I read that once and I thought it was grammatically correct, but it is not in any way. No, it's not. So this one, this one is more prophecy bullshit. And I have to say that there is one piece of it that really, really tickles me, which is that when someone I like this whole idea that when someone fulfills a a prophecy, they have to state at the end, let the prophecy be fulfilled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of the uh... like declare bankruptcy bit from uh, (laughs) the office. I declare bankruptcy. I went to uh, He-Man kind of just knowing that he, you know, just when I spoke these words aloud, like, okay, I guess. You, cool. Okay, were you just always trying that? <laughs> <laughs> these are my cool words I've been saying since I was a kid. Uh, it takes me out of the scene. I, I as much as I want to appreciate the silliness, it, I'd always kind of. Well, it would have been appreciated if it if this was a bit in that first episode we watched. But sure. the second one takes itself so goddamn seriously. Oh, my God. Yeah. This so, one's trying to get a daytime Oscar. This <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So while the last episode we watched, this these were actually really great episodes to compare to each other. Yeah, um, which we did not plan ahead of time, but was really we never interesting. Do. No, we never <laughs> do. It's just like to see an episode that is that like that first one. Then just kind of look. Here's a bunch of shit happening, but it's gonna be fun moment to moment. It's gonna be fun because who cares? Like, yeah, where do the dwarves come from? Nobody gives a shit. Just eat your eat your garbage, you know, <laughs> and like candy. enjoy it. Eat your bog candy and go up and go up a waterfall. And like <laughs> this is um, we have the dungeon master again and again. He's got ah, there's a way home, perhaps. And, <laughs> you know, we have this guy who is a very it, it handsome is, man to, to kind of linger on your point for a minute, Austin. It is such a constant thing with these kinds of cartoons is just. A writer who thinks so little of the people watching his show or her <laughs> show. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a consistent denigration of the people who are appreciating the thing you made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so many of these writers aren't necessarily trained in writing for children. There's a They'll, good point. Or writing and, at all. Like they, they right. come from like storyboard. <laughs> well, that's true. Like they're in animations, this whole different like weird beast. And they may have right. been an artist who just like had to write an episode or the show sure. was canceled. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why we see such a varying amount of quality in people's like ability to like talk to an audience. Yeah, sure. And uh, but this is a really interesting one because this episode in comparison to the other one is just so high minded about creating this sort of deep world of prophecy and and this story that's going to be an epic tale of some kind that just completely falls flat because it cares so much about a dumb story. (laughs) Well, okay. I mean, not really a counterpoint because I agree with everything you're saying, but this is, this is 1984. And what strikes me is that it is a very serious plot line for a cartoon at that time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about how seriously it takes itself. I'm talking about, the fact that like all in one episode, we like learn about a whole city who's like basically living in terror and fear for generations under a horrible ruler. A prophecy about a dude, a dude falls in love with one of our main characters. They realize they're kind of like 
soulmates and like they match each other in all these crazy weird ways and then they have to essentially choose which one of them like gets to go home and live and like i don't know it's like a really intense like when you just sort of like lay it out the plot beats are kind of insanely like high stakes for a kid's show well not to mention this uh this uh this king and queen that we meet uh <laughs> king trevor king trevor <laughs> trevor um i i found their dynamic quite compelling she's like a scary like half demon and uh he kind of gets it literally half demon literally literally straight down the middle like straight down the middle half demon (laughs) but then he's like you know kind of complicit but kind of not on board i don't know it's i think it's interesting very interesting and I guess I don't know if the kid, the prince, is like her son or what, but like that family dynamic could have been more interesting to, to play with. But I, I liked what yeah. we saw briefly. This feels like a two part episode boiled into one. Yeah, uh, because there is so much that is not explored that they go to so much trouble to set up very briefly. And then I want to pl- play a clip of this first scene that we get between Trevor and uh, Sirith. And just how much shit gets thrown out, like, in our faces in a 20-second, <laughs> in, like, a 20-second <laughs> span. What do you want of me, Sirius? To know why. Tell me why, Trevor. An, an accident. An oversight. Indeed. What a coincidence that on the very day of Starfall, the only one who can fulfill the prophecy and end my reign as queen escapes from your dungeon. You have until tonight to recapture him. The prophecy must not come true. You will not allow it to, will you, my king? Yeah, when the real star of the episode is is uh, Kosar, Kosar, who's a deeply, deeply handsome man. <laughs> He's a cutie. He's they, this hunk just wanders out of a bush. He's a lost yeah. little hunk looking for looking for a <laughs> looking for a pair pair of pair of big arms to just bury himself in. Yeah, they draw all the lashes on his on his eyes meticulously and just really kind of fill out his his profile. Um, and he's making kissy faces with Diana. This yes. is good. this is a Diana episode. Yeah, they're instantly like the sort of teen stank uh, immediately starts emanating and it doesn't take <laughs> it more than does. half a scene for the rest of the the main cast to sort of like give them distance and be like giving nodding little winks. Whoa, yeah, we're, we're not really trying to be that close to this right now. Um, <laughs> how close do you want to be to a burning star? Um, but I thought they, their relationship starts on an interesting note because there's, there's such a trope that happens where he kind of tries to uh, be a big, strong man while she's doing this incredible display of, of competence mm-hmm, and yeah. totally bungles it up. And uh, she totally laughs it off. She is not like mad at him at all. And so like we, we're kind of on the same page with both of them, that they're, yeah, clicking, they're vibing. Well, and then he also doesn't try and play it like, like he's embarrassed or anything. He's just like immediately switches to like, wow, no, you're amazing though. And he wasn't even like throwing in the machismo other than like, he just was compelled to be kind of to step in and fucked it up. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I think their dynamic is interesting. I'm going to throw in one little wrinkle that I was trying to do math on, uh, which is that he says he was put into a dungeon when he was eight years old and he's been in there for 10 years. So he's 18. And the Wikipedia says that Diana's 14, Ooh. Uh, which isn't it's like the seven, it's the 70s, baby. 
<laughs> well, it's the eighties, <laughs> but 80s. like four years isn't a big difference unless you're unless you're eighteen and 14. eighteen and fourteen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you could say that maybe he didn't. You know, he's not like a normal eighteen boy, eighteen year old boy. He grew up in a dungeon. Who fucking knows? I don't know. <laughs> But he, developmentally, you know. he's certainly not uh, not a, not, a, not an adult. He's uh, he's a lost little. He's a lost, and he even has some lines like that. Like, is this one of those things called humor from your world that I don't get? Because I I grew up in f- between four walls eating this is dog the, food for ten years. As we say at the beginning of this show, welcome to the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not a dragon. I grew up in a dungeon. <laughs> I, no, I don't see any dragons here. <laughs> I'm all out of dragons. <laughs> so the whole crux of this episode is this prophecy that Kosar thinks he has to fulfill and that the evil demon queen, Sirith, is worried about him doing because it's... I So he... It's because... Don't make me read the whole thing, but basically (laughs) it's, it's so involved, but like, it's a guy, somebody who came from another world. I got, I I got this. I will lift this up off your, off your, your sad shoulders as you try and carry the weight of this Because they will, they will explain it eight times in this whole episode. And on the night of Starfall, the child of the stargazer shall come from a faraway land to stand in the temple of light. The demon shall be banished child shall journey home it's super vague but apparently it definitely means the the demon queen and she's not happy about this boy yeah and i guess i guess the boys the kosar's dad was a i think he says an astrologer right he says an astrologer yeah. like the yeah, people he's not that, from, that he's not from the, our world yeah they write the horoscopes right <laughs> well I, there was a time when it was kind of a little bit I know. The, the best thing we had to it was like a little more science <laughs> yeah right. like the alchemist right so so yeah his dad was an astrologer he comes from far away i don't really know but she, when she found out that like in a very harry potter like way when she found out that this boy was the boy of prophecy to thwart her uh hey i wonder if jk rowling watched this episode uh she put him in a dungeon and we come to learn over the course of this episode as diana and kosar get really close to each other and start like making you know overtures towards kissy faces is that Diana's dad also was an astronomer in our world, and she comes from far away, and this prophecy clearly can apply to both of them. But I'm, I can't, I can't stress, I can't stress enough that that's exactly Harry Potter because that's a Harry Potter and Neville Longbottom thing where the prophecy applies to possibly two people. I'm really upset about it. I, I feel like J.K. Rowling just 100% cribbed just this Dungeons it? and Dragons episode. Yeah. She's not she's not super creative. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this yeah. take. Also because I, I don't mind shitting on her anymore because of the horrible things she says of her, on Twitter. Cuz cuz she's a weird nasty old crone now. Now she's <laughs> she went from she went from fun like fun wizard spinster like, into mean Earth's old darling. Nasty, mean old lady. And now, and now she's nobody's friend. Now her, now her only friend is her money. Now and it's just her and her, ma- her, and her money bin. It's just me and my magic systems. <laughs> just me and my magic. <laughs> so oh. the whole rest of the episode, once we kind of know the prophecy, is just A to B to seeing. Yeah. They, just like kind of getting to the 
getting to the temple that they have to be at, that they have to stand at the temple when the meteors hit during Starfall. You gotta stand at the temple and say, now let the prophecy be fulfilled. And that's sort of the whole deal. Right. Let the prophecy be fulfilled. Uh, at one point, we get a we get Eric saying, a, "Well, excuse me." Several yes, years right. before yes, the do. Legend of Zelda cartoon. Well, excuse me. Well, because they were all stealing it from Steve Martin. But that's true. Do you, that's do true. you think I, I do? I feel bad for Steve Martin where it's like, I'm just going to say something funny once. And then everybody <laughs> around the world just loses their mind in the 70s. Like, this is great. And we're all going to say it now. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Well, no. And, and in the first episode we watched, uh, Bobby has a did I do that? That also predates Urkel. That's right. So I'm just I'm just saying everybody steals from this cartoon. So maybe he did do that. He did do that. He did it. Uh, Eric also has a fun line uh, that I laughed really hard at. For one, because of its its strange, like Kirkland brand version of uh, what he says, but also just the delivery and the the context was really funny. Does anybody know where I'm getting at? Uh, Is it? it, Hey, hot flash from the newsroom. We figured that out ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. God, it was so funny. Even though saying hot flash from the newsroom is nonsense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but this was him to the Dungeon Master, right? Because yeah. we've seen this before in other episodes where the Dungeon Master starts to launch into like a long bit of extra exposition. They're like, yeah, we got it. It felt like we a know. fifth grade teacher was the editor of this guy's script and was like, you can't say the same word that close. New word. <laughs> oh, Drew Carey, new word. <laughs> Scenes from a hat. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the wizard, the wizard carry. <laughs> well, see, I would watch Whose Lines It Anyway, Wizard Edition. <laughs> yeah. Brought to you by um, wizards. The real magic was improv. <laughs> <laughs> so they all get to the, the you know, the moment and the, the, the two lovers are going to walk up to this pyramid thing together and the evil queen shows up and yells, no. And then uh, it sort of looks like Kosar is going to be the one to go. And he walks in and, and she's like, remember me. And he's like, always. And then he gets blasted from behind by the queen. And so Diana does it instead. She's going to go step into the light and fulfill the prophecy by saying, let the prophecy be fulfilled. Then she sort of turns super saiyan, like big spooky energy. Yeah, she gets giant. Uh, like she caught all like she got all the chaos emeralds, and now <laughs> now she's blasting all over the place. She's super Diana, the <laughs> <Yeah>. hedgehog. <laughs> super Diana, the hedgehog. And then it's it's like a there's like an interesting moment that maybe could have been better where Sheila, who's a character that we haven't talked about like at all, but she's the thief. Sheila tells her that like as she's at, in the process of opening a portal back to Earth. She's like, Dungeon Master said one among us must choose between home and the heart. If we go home, Kosar won't survive. It's you, Diana. You've got to choose. And she realizes that it, what she wants to do instead is send Kosar home. And so she uses her powers to do that. It's a nice yeah. moment. They become star-crossed lovers a little quick. I was kind of yeah. confused. I, I felt kind of stinky about the moment because yeah. it, it really, the way that they phrase it, makes it feel like Kosar is choosing to go home because he's selfish. Like it kind of sounds like, 
it's fine. I'm going, but I'll always remember you. So it's great for me. Uh, so I'm, I'm good to go, honestly. And then I got some sweet hand holding out of this and now I'm done. Right. And she's like, no, please don't leave me. And then he's like, yeah, but like, I'm, I'm out of here. So like, peace. Um, <laughs> My hand is tired. Yeah. Yeah. And it ends up, you know, feeling like, you know, Diana's the only one who makes a hard choice. And Kosar is just like, peace. What the other thing that falls flat for me is that she's from another world. Her going home is a big deal and, and sort of, you know, kind of an irretrievable right. move. He's right. from some other town far away. He's if like they a boat to, ride away. Yeah. <laughs> if they wanted to go hang out and like touch, touch hands again, then they probably could. It's within their power to do it. He might be kind of like feeling like hot shit because he got no action in the dungeon for 10 years and immediately got some sweet hand holding. <laughs> and then and then leaves. Might be another, and then leaves. Sorry, you were just my training hand. I need to go find my real love now. Now that I'm really good at holding hand. I think that the ending though, the ending sequence is like surprisingly kind of bittersweet and sad. Like I thought we would have like a really nice moment where like she gets happy again or something, but like Dungeon Master shows up and is basically like, Yeah, Kosar was your soulmate. And you'll find each other, like, I don't know, I guess vaguely in, in the next life. And yeah, he's in heaven now? Is that what yeah, you're saying? I'm not really sure what the fuck's going on. But yeah, then, I want to clip drop, actually. I want to clip drop what the Dungeon Master's lines are here. Because I still can't make any sense, and I don't think the writers could either. Thank you, dear child. My people are free. You have done more good than you can ever know. But I've lost him. I've lost Kosar. That is not so, my child. You knew him a long, long time ago. And you shall know him again in times to come. What do you mean? Where has he gone? To a place among the stars. A place beyond your understanding. He has gone home. But he will remember you. And you shall meet him again. Diana, do you hear? Do you hear what you have done? Listen, Diana. Listen to the people you have set free. And they're all like, oh, my God, you saved us. And we pan back and she's like clearly still like upset. And then like a shooting star goes across the sky and we go to credits. Like that's a kind of a bold way to end your kids show, too. Yeah, I'm not saying they earned it. Like I but said, like, they're going for a daytime Emmy on this one. Yeah, this was, uh, <laughs> this was artsy as fuck. <laughs> uh, that's it for us, everybody, in this fun house. It's too full now. I know that uh, you may have thought that there was just gonna be a, like a constant parade of fun zany characters to come in and get into <laughs> well, get in trouble, but we really did get a fair amount. Oh, we got a few. We got a few. But now the house is full. Now my landlord's now my landlord's gonna be mad if he knows I had more than ten people over. And uh <laughs> I gotta get these jokesters out. Yeah, all right, you hear that? So Austin, get out. Andy, me, get out. Old man, get out. Melba Toast, out. Drew Carey, out. Uh D D twenty one child of the Stargazer summary, get out. <laughs> Patrick a Warburton. Bog beast? Patrick Warburton. Can Patrick Warburton stay? <laughs> Patrick Warburton can stay, but that random bog beast guy, you gotta get the hell out. Yeah, I don't know. I got somewhere else to be. We're kind of Oh look at that. <laughs>
<laughs> Look was at it that. There he is. He was here all along, everybody. <laughs> Rory, I've brought you some Melba toast. Oh, no. He was the same person? <laughs> <laughs> there were two? <laughs> Turns out we were sponsored today by Melba toast. <laughs> Patrick Wilbur and get the fuck out. We all got to leave. Thanks for being here. The patrons voted for this. You can blame them for whatever happened today in Rory's house. And uh, I think I think we we got to say the thing we always say. Isn't that right, Austin? Yeah. That thing we always say is uh, be sure to check out our Patreon. And uh, if We've you're interested done in supporting that and voting, well, we should do it again. Because um, <laughs> we always say that. So uh, be sure to check that out. And uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah.